activity can cause rage behavior in children. Apart from the psychiatric illnesses, it is the developmental maturational change or adaptation that is absent that can cause rage behavior. I'll, I'll make five points. My first point would be an outline of what I'm going to uh, talk about, the background for the what is rage behavior and what does literature talk about it. And then that is followed by a pharmacological basis for therapy. What is the therapy that is available and uh, what is the basis for that. And then I will present three clinical cases directly from Dr. Ankerman's uh, treatment strategy. He has three patients that he has treated and we will discuss those three cases. And from those three cases, we will look at the results and draw conclusions. And finally, because this session is about health and health policy, we'll, we'll look at some implications for health policy. Those are the five brief comments that I will present for you today. Background, what is rage behavior? Rage is an, a physically overactive, agitated, violent, and aggressive behavior that we see. It can happen in children, adults, or anybody. That's, that's what we call as, for this discussion, we call it as rage. And this behavior, this kind of rage behavior, is usually associated with different kinds of psychiatric illnesses. For example, ADHD, autism, schizophrenia, dementia, and all other kinds of psychiatric illnesses have this kind of behavior. They're, one of the symptoms or characteristics of those illnesses is you see that rage behavior. And we have a number of psychotropic medications. If you look into literature, there are four or five major classes. And if I counted the drugs last night, there were more than 60 drugs that are available for a variety of psychiatric illnesses. So there is a vast number of drugs that are available for treating these disorders. And if you look into the most recent literature, you see there is an increase the use of psychotropic medications in children, adults, in general. And that's what I want to, I want to show you three uh, papers, three research peer-reviewed articles that, uh, that show what is happening with this one. The first paper that I want you to pay attention to is, is published in JAMA in 1998, the prescribing trends in psychotropic medications. If you look at all the, the visits to the doctor in 1985 and 1993 or 94, that's the chart that is taken directly from the article. All the visits, all the visits to all the doctors in 1985 and 1993 or 94, the 12-month period, if you take that and take that as 100% of visits to the doctor and categorize them, those visits into how many of them are going for primary care and how many of them are going for psychiatric needs and the rest of them, three categories. You categorize them and you will see the psychiatric uh, visits to the doctor is about 7.7 .7 million in 1985, 7.7 .7 million. And if you look in 1993, you see it is 15 million, 15 million. If you convert that into the percentage numbers, you see, 1.2 percent of all visits to the doctors or psychiatric visits in 1985, and that number almost doubled in 1993 or 94. That is, 1.2 is becoming 2.6. 2.6 in 
That means almost doubling the number of visits to the psychiatric uh, visits or psychotropic medication use has doubled almost in 10 years. But that is the data from 1998. So within the data of all those visits, if you look at just the children, there are 1.1 million children visiting doctors, psychiatrists for psychiatric needs, 1.1 million. And if you convert that into percentage, 3.4% of all visits, and that is becoming 8.2%. So my, my point here is the, there is a doubling, there is a, a significant increase in the use of psychotropic medications, especially among children. Within the, you take those 10 years, there is a ten, doubling, almost double the response. And that is the data from U.S., but this is another paper that is published last year in 2009 that talks about what is happening in UK. The same results, they show that there is an increase, significant increase in use of psychotropic medications in Europe as well, especially in children. And then the most recent paper, 2010 paper, which is reviewing all the literature that is published on psychotropic medications, giving the same conclusion that uh, there is an increase significant increase in psychotropic medications. So my point, what, what my presentation, the whole objective of my presentation is to present an alternative approach to make sure that we are not overusing or to bring down the use of psychotropic medications among children. That's, that's what our project, Dr. Ankerman's project and my project is to su suggest a method by which we can bring down the use of psychotropic medications. For that, we will start, I'll start with a, a very general understanding of what is psychiatric health or what is mental health. There is a cartoon here that describes what is happening here. In the very beginning, you can see, you, you can see the, uh, the behavior, a person reading, which is a behavior is a function of brain activity. That's, the, that's what the whole cartoon is showing, and it boils down the whole brain activity and within the brain, brain is nothing but a bunch of neurons, nerves working together. And within that brain, if you look into the cartoon, you can see specific circuits, the behavior of reading, for example, is associated with specific neurons in the specific region of the brain. And with that, within that neurons, there is a communication between the adjacent neurons. And that communication is because of a neurotransmitter that is transmitting the information between the neurons. And that transmitter exchanges the information, and once the transmitter binds to the, uh, to the neuron, it is, in, it is eliciting, it is giving off its cell response, the neuronal response. And that, again, is connected to the genes. So what I was trying to present in this cartoon is an overall picture of how the brain works. The behavior at its very core level is taking place from the genes all the way to the proteins, to the cell, single neuron, a neuron interacting with another neuron, and that neuron's coming together to form a network of neurons, and that network of neurons is the total brain activity. That's the function. And then what is, the, uh, what is happening in the rage when a person is having violent rage behavior? What exactly is happening? There is a specific set of neurons, a network of neurons. We call them as non-adrenergic neurons because the neurotransmitter that communicates between those two is noradrenaline. And you can see in the cartoon, the blue lines in the brain are the noradrenergic neurons. 
and the functioning of that neuron, one single neuron, is given in this the cartoon in the, with the blue background. You can see that the single cartoon, there is a red dot and the uh, green dot there. The functioning of a single neuron is regulated by two different neurons. One is an inhibitory neuron, the other one is an excitatory neuron. Inhibitory neuron inhibits the response, the excitatory neuron elicits the response. As, a, as an effect of these two neurons acting on one neuron, this one neuron is, is giving its response. So the response of a single neuron is a function of two different neurons, an excitatory and an inhibitory neuron. So there is a balance of neuronal activity taking place. And in rage behavior, especially when there is, when there is brain injury, you see there is a, the inhibitory neuron is, not, is damaged or is not working, and you, all you have is an excitatory neuron. And because of one excitatory effect, the response is triggered, it's not balanced, and you have a higher response. And when you have a higher response, instead of a normal behavior, you have the hyperactivity or overactivity, which can cause rage. That's one mechanism that is involved in rage behavior, where the inhibitory effects are damaged, especially in the cases of brain injury. But there is another mechanism. This is a very complicated figure, but all I wanted to show excess amount of neurotransmitter that is present, excess amount of neuronorotoline that is present can cause rage behavior because there is more amount of neurotransmitter, more information coming, the neurons are responding, and there is an increased response, overactivity, and that again causing uh, rage behavior, especially in the specific neurons that we're talking about, which are noradrenergic neurons. So. There's a drug that Dr. Ankerman has used, which we call it as beta blocker, propylenol, and that is a drug that was used, which is acting on noradrenergic neurons. It's a beta, we call it as a receptor blocker, beta adrenergic receptor blockers, which are present on that one, which are present on the neuron. And when there is excessive amount of neurotransmitter being released, the beta blocker blocks the receptors, and the neurotransmitter is not taken up by the neurons. And by that, you're controlling the overactivity of the neurons. Beta blocker, propylenol, is not a psychotropic medication, but it blocks the neurologic activity. So that's the pharmacological basis we, we, Dr. Ankerman has used in treating his patients. And uh, one of the first cases that uh, I want to sh uh, discuss here is about a four-year-old boy with terrible rage behavior, at least one or three outbursts a day for about 20 minutes. Very abusive to parents and siblings, and when he, when he goes into those tantrums of, or outrage of, of behavior, the, patients, the parents brought him to Dr. Ankman for thinking he has psychiatric illness, asking for psychotropic medications. But the diagnosis of the patient, if Dr. Ankman finds that there is a high blood, blood pressure as well as pulse rate. Those are the two indicators for adrenergic overactivity, high pulse rate and high blood pressure. So instead of prescribing the psychotropic medications, he prescribes the propylenol for 60 mg per day, completely avoiding because completely avoiding the psychotropic medications because the basis for this treatment is to look at that hyper high blood pressure and high pulse rate and trying to treat that and see how the patient responds. And after four months, the rage behavior gradually decreased, 
And a year or two later, two years later, the, the patient returned back to normal behavior, and there was no rage behavior. And uh, this, is a, this is one case where you see high blood pressure and high, high, high pulse rate. Psychiatry, it looks like, at the outside, when you look like, you can take it as a psychotropic illness or a ADHD or rage behavior, and you can go for psychotropic medications, but you pay careful attention. You can go with the beta blockers like propanolol. And this case number two that um, is about a three-year-old girl with intense and frequent rage behavior. Four to eight outbursts a day for, 15, for about 15 minutes, pulling her hair, very uh, profuse sweating when she goes into this rage. And uh, you can also see the pupil dilatation and the eyeballs becoming big and uh, the, the black of the eye dilating and then the high pulse rate and high blood pressure. Another simple case of four, a three-year-old girl having frequent rage behavior. Parents thinking it is, again, psychiatric illness, coming to the doctor, and uh, Dr. Ankerman prescribes. Again, the goal is to control the high pulse rate and high blood pressure. And for that, we started with, he started with the propanolol at a, at a dose of 60 mg per day, titrated to 160 mg per day. And the treatment continued for a year on the same propanolol for a year, and then it was discontinued, no relapse of rage behavior, no uh, frequent or temper tantrums in the children, in the, in the child, in this girl. And this case was followed for another three or four years, and it, there was no relapse. This is another, case, another indication where, by using beta blocker, you can actually control the rage behavior in children. And the last case that I wanted to present is about a six-year-old hyperactive girl, very violent behavior, self-abusive, biting herself, and she goes into the fits of rage and also having severe hair pulling uh, habits. High pulse rate. I just want to back up the microphone a little bit. Sure. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. High pulse rate and high blood pressure, the same symptoms that we saw in the other one. And the treatment is the same, uh, propanol 120 mg per day, tapered off after two years without any relapse. All this, if you look at all these three cases, what you see is that there is a high blood pressure and high pulse rate and uh, there's overactivity of the adrenergic system, and that is where it is treated with propanolol even before going into the psychotropic medications, and that propanolol itself is able to take care of the patient. So the results and conclusions from these um, three cases at least is we, the basic, if you take up the, the basic homeostasis of health or mental health, it is known that adrenergic activity is involved in fight or flight response under normal conditions. We already know that. And what, what all these three cases show is about overactivity of the adrenergic, uh, adrenergic system can cause rage behavior in children. And you can actually treat it with beta blockers and avoid going into the psychotropic medications. What, is, what are the implications for health policy? Judi uh, judicious use of medications is what we are advocating. And uh, psychotropic medications, indiscriminate use. One of the reasons, those three review articles that are presented, they're one of the reasons that uh, psychotropic medications has gone up or doubled is because when you look at the risk to benefit ratio of using them, in the past, in the very 10 years ago, the risk, the risk is